I just need to like think put on their perspective I mean I there's stories of like Chinese you know companies coming into the United States or Saudi Arabian you know companies coming into and buying land in Arizona to grow hay and we get upset about that how is that any different from a Canadian company coming down and that's where I was like this is their land this they have every right to protect it if someone came down to Turlock from China China and said they're gonna buy all of West Side of Turlock I would be out there protesting with everyone out there yeah because that's where I grew up and I feel like that's how they felt probably Bienvenidos, welcome, and thank you for joining us for Season 1, Episode 12 of the Panafamilia Podcast with Eduardo and Nicole, where we discuss our experience relocating to and raising our three young children here in Panama, share our journey of building our new farm and home here in Central America, and let you know what we're learning along the way. We're glad you're here. Vaminos! from our new apartment here in Las Lajas, Panama. We're coming to you from our new place. It's really nice here. Maybe you can hear the breeze, the birds. Uh, it's probably one third, a quarter of the size. It's just a one bedroom little tiny apartment. But there's no mosquitoes. <laughs> it's not humid. Yeah, it's nice. It's there's, nice. Yeah, there's a fresh breeze. We have a beautiful swimming pool that we don't have to take care of, unlike we did it at the other place. Um, there's a huge, huge yard. Like, I wouldn't even call it a yard. I'd call it a field or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, lots of shade trees and fruit trees. Um, yeah, there's lots of walkways for the boys to ride their bikes on and play. And somehow we fit all of our stuff in here and kind of got it set up. It's not so uh, cluttered anymore, and we're enjoying it. So we've got two kids watching a movie, The Grinch, another one napping. We'll see how much we can get recorded in the next 20, 20 to 30 minutes. So what are we talking about today, baby? So uh, the protest finally coming to an end, so we're going to talk about the, uh, the end of the protest, how they finally <laughs> finished up, and... Um, and just kind of what we learned uh, throughout these 41 days of protests. Um, the completion of the saga. This is uh, this podcast tr- uh, saga as a trilogy. <laughs> trilogy. So this is our Return of the King, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't turn into Return of the Protest. <laughs> we'll do a little just quick recap of like, yeah, why the protest started and like when and for how long. Okay, so October 20th was when the National Assembly... Uh, approved the renewal of the mining contract for First Qu- First Quantum Minerals, a Canadian company. I want to make that very clear. Canadian, not American. Canadian. Those evil Canadians. So China is a majority owner of the company. <laughs> they own like 30% of the uh, 
stocks? The stocks of, of the shares, so they're majority owners, but still Canadian company. Okay. They basically announced Friday that on Monday we're going to protest. The people did, The yeah. people announced yeah. it. The, there's uh, Suntrax is a big uh, union in the country, and they said they're going to protest, and the indigenous leaders also announced that. They were going to protest, and they kind of just by uh, Monday. For mostly, sorry, like environmental reasons is what they were claiming, right? Yeah, yeah, in the beginning it was all environmental, and yeah. I think the indigenous stuck with that narrative the whole time. And it to protect was, it from, like, going onto their land, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because uh, there is, like, how many, four Comarcas here? Yeah. And um, they are all, you know, got their own representatives and... Uh, they were protesting to, uh, to uh, protect their lands so it wouldn't happen in their, in their um, backyard. So, yeah, they said they're going to do it Monday, and Monday they started. Yeah. And, um, start, and that's when we were in Panama City. That's when we were yeah. in Panama City, and they started off a little slow. After that, after maybe a week, they really intensified in the city. Well, they shut it down yeah. here. I mean, that yeah. day, that, that Monday, yeah, it well, was shut down yeah and they yes. never open back up so yeah the, yeah the biggest thing was like people don't realize that there's like two forms of protest here there's the ones in the city where they protest out in the streets and uh there's clashes with the cops and there's tear gas and there's mm-hmm. people throwing rocks and then well i guess three types of protests and then you got the protests in the central before santiago where people block the highway they sing and dance and say their message, and then eventually go home. And then once you get to Santiago, all the way up to Costa Rica, you get the kind of protest that we lived by. And it's basically, they just block the highway, and they just don't let anything go through. Basically, they realize that like if we can hurt them economically, we they'll can, listen. They'll listen. Yeah. We border the largest Comarca in, uh, reservation, the Nagabe people. So they basically come down from their Comarca and they go to the Pan American and they shut it down. Seven blockades from Santiago all the way to Costa Rica and you're just stuck there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They opened up twice or once. For like 12 hours. For 12 hours to eventually mm-hmm. let people go through. Because they all have to come to an agreement that like okay we're all going to open our roadblocks today in order for anyone to get anywhere or else like you just go through one roadblock and then you're sitting at the next one so on december 2nd the supreme court finished their their closed session yeah okay reviewing all the lawsuits that were brought against um and and, oh by the way this wasn't like a rush to the supreme court it was like they they didn't start talking about it at the supreme court about like until the end of November. I think it was like Thanksgiving when they started talking about it, right? Maybe, yeah. Because they yeah. were only in session for like four days. Yeah. So, so like, like for four to five weeks, there was nothing happening. Nothing happened. And the president addressed the nation like twice for like 30 seconds. Yeah. He literally did nothing. Mm-hmm. He, and when he did talk, he was just keeping it very simple and it did not acknowledge anything. So, yeah. So, on December 2nd, the Supreme Court came out and said okay, we've decided and the mining contract is unconstitutional, which is what, you know, the protesters wanted to hear. And then... Um, that was early morning. We were watching on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, maybe that wasn't December 2nd. That was like a couple days before. Yeah. And then on December 2nd, they put it in the... They printed it in the official gazette, which is like, okay, now it's really official. Yeah. That's what many protesters were waiting for. 
Um, and that's, you know, everyone was getting, obviously people were very happy and excited because they got the answer that they wanted. Like, okay, we're going to stop cease operations at the mine and hopefully close the mine. But also like people who are like, oh, thank God, like the roads can open now. Yeah. Um, we're also happy. Um, and there was a lot of confusion, uh, after the Supreme Court announced it because like hearing them say it's unconstitutional, we're like, oh, it's over. It's over. It's over. It's finally over. They're going to open up. And then nothing opened up that day. Yeah. Um, so I was I was like, I'm not going to get my hopes up yet. It doesn't seem like anything's yeah. happening out there. And then there was always rumors that, oh, they want more. They want more. They want more. Or like, yeah, some people said until the mine is like closed. Yeah. Like there their was doors a lot are closed, of... which is like, that's like would take years. Yeah. A lot of internet rhetoric. And so we're, uh, and I was like, oh man, do they really want more? And then I kind of heard from a couple places that they're just waiting for it to be officially published in the Gazette because they don't trust. This is how much trust there is in the government. Uh, they don't trust the word of mouth of the, you know, politicians until it's like written right yeah. in stone <laughs> in legislation. Yeah. Saturday they... So they had already made a plan to open up, because that was because of the El Salvadorian president, right? Oh, yeah. So, then so there I'll... were a bunch of truckers from El Salvador that were trapped here, and the president from El Salvador basically said, like, hey, you need to open up and let my... Basically let my people go, you know? Yeah. Well, now, that, was, that was another frustrating thing. The Salvadorian president, who has nothing to do with this, was... They listened to him? Or yeah. or he was actually doing stuff more. Oh, yeah. I mean, because yeah. the president here didn't ever say open the president the here didn't do Neither anything. Did the co- you know, yeah. they didn't say, like, open the roads and they didn't listen. They just the government never said that. But yeah. then El Salvador was the, like, yeah, said that. So they were planning to open the roads for that. And that kind of um, fell, on the same. fell on the same day that, like, everything was happening and the ruling came out. And so it's like they opened, but like a little bit. And then. If you go up there, it's like the tires are still there, like ready to like be placed back out. So we were still kind of like, uh, like, is it going to stay open? You know, so it was like touch and go for a few days. Like we have this group message on WhatsApp with a bunch of people here and people will be like, is it open today? Is it still open? Like, no, it's closed. Like, no, it's open. Like, oh, it's clear today. Like, so um, basically after that, after December 2nd, they haven't closed back up. Yeah. That day we actually drove down to the... uh to the crossings to the Pan American because we had to do some other stuff and we saw the loader and they were clearing the road and we saw a bunch of happy indigenous people they were driving around in the back of their trucks oh, with flags with flags yeah. with the Comarca flag and uh yeah whistling and celebrating and I was like that's a good sign right yeah if they're happy yeah yeah yeah, yeah so the the highway opened in the whole province in the whole country but yeah after being closed for 41 days in this whole province um like we said, with a couple days here and there of being opened. Um, so people can move freely. Supplies can move freely. Like all this like backlogged trucks that were full of supplies are just like, like we went to the city an hour away of multiple times this last week, but for the first time and like the grocery stores, every, all the stores are just like full of like pallets, full of boxes of supplies that are like coming in and being restocked. And it's just like very busy and crazy. And I mean, it's going to take a long time just to catch up like now, but then also like the repercussions and the effects of this are going to be felt, you know, for just like with like COVID yeah. um, for, you know, many years to come. Fuel is 
pretty expensive right now just because oh yeah so many people haven't had fuel and they're finally get to pump gas and trying to control it a bit I guess. Yeah. yeah and then um so there was first limits and they were charging you know 20 cents more a litro than they've ever have mm-hmm. um but yeah so like you know gas is up um uh supplies at the grocery stores are still pretty low because we're restocking them as at mm-hmm. the moment yeah um, there was like so much like produce and agriculture products that were like had to just be thrown out and so all those farms that were not able to sell their produce are now behind i'm assuming on growing like new crops and yeah. rice crops were lost and so that'll be some um, long-term uh, yeah like for prices for farmers for yeah, yeah consumers for everything for the supply at, in general. And then another another repercussion we're probably gonna like see is like tourism, like people not feeling comfortable coming here. So many tourists that came like got stuck here or like had to cancel their trip. And, and the reason we're mentioning that is because like a lot of the protesters said like, oh, we shouldn't like rely on the mine for, you know, our economy. Why don't we rely on tourism more and like bring that into like a larger part of our economic um like income as a country but like if but if you don't have a stable like country that people feel comfortable coming to if you can't get people here that just like tourism is not going to be great and like this is the dry season just starting now in december which is the tourist season and like lots of people have canceled their trips or my brother was supposed to come yeah so a lot of these like hotels and restaurants and places that are counting on not just tourists from other countries but like tourists like throughout the country like the whole month of november they had nothing and so like they're all behind and these are family businesses that are you know trying to like make a living off of tourism yeah i mean especially in our area there isn't like a big fancy resort resort owned by like Paris Hilton or the Marriott. Yeah, it's all like small, like family-run places. Yeah, they're all. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, just the economy as a whole. I mean, I'm not gonna get into that, but like when you're shut down for that long, and then when you like cancel a contract that was making up four percent. Yeah, a large percentage of your GDP. Then, I mean, you got to make that up somewhere. So. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of like a recap and, um, it's over and we're very, we're very happy that it's over, but we wanted to talk a bit about like what we learned throughout the protests. I mean, this is something that neither of us have experienced before. Um, I mean, this was, this was harder than COVID for for us. us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. And the thing is like, this is just like how they protest here. That's what, you know, people say, I mean, people that have been living here for like foreigners that have been living here for 10 to 15 years say like, Oh, I've gone through this before, but this is the longest one. But like you just kind of prepare for this and accept this. So yeah. And then all the Panamanian friends that we have uh, basically told us, I guess just the way we do it is like, it was always the same response. Like this is just how it is here. Or, and also, like, oh, this will be the last week. This it's be, always like, oh, this yeah. will be the last week. This you know, just week. always staying and like, positive. And, like, kind of, like, just, like, <laughs> it always seems like, yeah, it's annoying, but this is how it's done. And we do live in the province with the most indigenous people in there. So this is how mm-hmm. it's done here. And it is what it is. Like, no one is just kind of, like, everyone was just kind of, like, eh. Eh. Yeah. Where? Yeah, there's enough local resources. Uh, it's not a huge population where we live, so, like. 
things don't get depleted so fast. Yeah. Like a big city. Yeah. Um, and there isn't like the the hoard buying like there is in. Yeah, people didn't run in and buy all the toilet paper like yeah, crazy uh, people. You know. Yeah, I mean, just, I think it's a, they're a little more thoughtful. Yeah. Right? Like everyone. Yeah. I mean, we would just kind of. Buy what we needed, buy, as, we needed as we needed it, yeah. you know, and like there was no one walking out of uh, Daisy's the store <laughs> with like just loads and loads of toilet paper yeah, or, or waters or, or yeah. waters or stuff like that. Because like drinking water was something that was getting low towards the end, and yeah, yeah, but like you know, you just people just bought what they needed for the mm-hmm. day and just kind of. And there on. wasn't. Sorry to interrupt you, but like there wasn't tons of violence. Like yeah, like there, Swan was saying the other day at dinner, like if this was in the United States, like oh. oh. It wouldn't have gotten this far. <laughs> no, yeah, they wouldn't have been able to do this yeah. for 40 days. I mean, there people, there was obviously some instances of violence, but, like, compared to, like, what it could have been. Kenneth Darlington, who shot the protesters in, uh, where was Just it? Just point blank. Uh, I can't even remember. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, Closer up to the city. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's the biggest one. That's the one that made global news. You some know, rock fights. Some rock fights. Some machete fights. fights, fights. Machete yeah. fights um, some verbal arguments, but never... Never turned into a big... There was one video of the dairyman who dumped, came oh. and dumped the milk and was like, he, you know, he couldn't sell his milk, so he came and just dumped all the milk on the road in front of the protesters and was yelling. And, like, I feel like that's something I would totally do. Yeah, which You know, is, but, like, you're fine. making a point. Yeah, and, like, yeah, if they're yeah. allowed to, like, make yeah. their voice heard, yeah, like, but they can too. Like, but there's not... As, yeah. It's not as violent as, like... I just think of the protests back home and how some of those got... Like burning stores down and burning store like down that. or even especially when uh when there was like protesters and anti-protesters and it was almost like a little just constantly fighting, yeah, yeah yeah a little yeah. mini civil war going on in some of these towns yeah so um, so i guess back to kind of what we were saying like what we've learned i'm going to share some thoughts on what i've learned and uh eddie will chime in and if not he'll share some after um so we realized we can find a lot of food that we need close by we kind of uh we you know we would go to the city an hour away once a week and stock up on groceries and just kind of avoid grocery shopping here just because the stores are smaller and um we just figured we do all our shopping there but after you know having to look harder we've seen like oh we can find um you know good meat here if we need it and there's a store here that like actually like makes their own ground beef and gets their beef like locally from their backyard and um the chicken's good and we found like the oats for oatmeal and you know just things like that that like we didn't necessarily there's the same pasta and pasta sauce that we needed up in san felix and um so that was something that I think what it forced us to like look around more and realize like, oh, maybe we don't need to go to David that often, you know, for the first few weeks, um, I felt like we were the most annoyed, but like everyone else like that lives here and is from here wasn't. And it was almost like bothering me that people weren't bothered, you know? And so I had to really like, um, I don't know, just kind of like contend with that within myself and be like, why am I so, why do I want everyone to be annoyed? Like if they're not good for them, that's my problem. I need to deal with that and like just relax. And then I think by like the third or fourth week, um, I was like, all right, this is just how it is right now. And let's just keep getting through it and deal with it and just accept it and just keep living our lives and doing what we can. And, you know, there were some stressful moments where, 
where we weren't sure if we were going to have enough food or supplies as far as like gas for cooking or gas for our car to get to the store. We bought bikes in that case. Um, we weren't able to start on certain things at the farm that we wanted to. Um, there were times when we weren't sure if we would have like protein or eggs for the next day. And then like we'd get a phone call from the fish guy like, hey, I got fish. You want to come over here? Um, we found, you know, we used all the extra gas that was in our generator to we siphoned it out eddie siphoned it out we used it in our car um finding local people that like raise eggs that are way better than the eggs in the grocery store we wouldn't have known about that if we weren't forced to like go ask for them um and then one of the big ones was the road opened up for 12 hours so eddie was able to like go really quickly on a trip we talked about in the last episode and complete our immigration process which was coming to like all our documents were going to expire and that would have been a whole huge deal so that day didn't open up we wouldn't have made it yeah we would have had to like restart our whole immigration visa process which i don't even know it would have been such a headache just like so many ways that like god provided god showed us stuff um you know and we just had to kind of like trust that the next day like just take it day by day really i mean we weren't in this like again like horrible war-torn situation but like I don't know. I, I've never been in a situation where I was like nervous about what, you know, especially now that I have children, like what I would feed my kids the next day, what I would cook for them. Um, so speaking of food, um, it taught me that, I mean, there was a two week period where I'm pretty sure we had fish every single night for dinner. Right. Or like at least seven days straight. And then like two weeks where it was like mostly, we mostly w- fish. We would break it up with like going to, one of the restaurants that had that um, still had some like burgers or something burgers, left, something like that. French fries. Uh, one of the blessings, since no one was coming, the resorts had plenty of food. <laughs> yeah, just stored away in their freezer, so we could go there if we wanted to. Yeah, get a different meal. But yeah, so it taught me that like simple meals, that and even like just the same meals all the time. Just make life, yeah, they may be kind of boring, but they make life a lot easier when you're cooking for, you know, five people. And they're not that boring. She says they're boring, but they're really good. <laughs> she was getting... Well, I would try to mix up the flavors with the fish and the rice and stuff like that. Eddie got really good at filleting fish, but but I mean, like, and I'm not um, into, like, cooking, like, fancy foods or trying new recipes all the time, but I do love to, like, you know, cook, like, beautiful meals. And, um, you know, sometimes I feel like we just complicate things by trying to get like too creative in the kitchen you know and looking for ideas on pinterest and stuff when like you really don't need to like just use some simple whole foods that you have around and cook a meal for your family and um so that was kind of like what we're having fish again we're having fish again that makes it easy for me all right eddie cut it up i'm gonna fry up some fish again you know yeah one (laughs) in the very beginning one of the few proteins before we were like hunting around stores for me was we have the fish market, so I would just go to the to the fish market and just... Get, like, 18 fish. I would yeah. get, like, 18 fish. Yeah. And yeah. we would just eat fish that whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We weren't able to do ceviche eventually because we didn't have any produce. Um, and what is ceviche if it's just fish and lime juice? It's like, you know, you need to have the tomato and the onion and the cilantro and the pepino. But, um, and we didn't have tostadas or anything. So, um, definitely strengthened my patience and my ability to just kind of relax and wait and just, 
just wait. You know, we just got to wait. We got to wait for this to end. We got to wait to start that project at the farm. Like we got to wait till we can go get this supply. Like we got to wait for that. And, um, waiting's hard, especially for, you know, this time of our life that we're in when we came here to like, you know, like get stuff done. And now it's like, all right, we're on pause again. Let's just wait. Um, but it was good for us. And, um, every day I would just ask the Lord to like, show me, what do you have to teach me today? What do you have to teach us as a family? Um, I mean, our patience was worn thin on certain days and, um, you know, being with the kids all the time and Jude not going to school the whole time was challenging, but, um, but yeah, we got through and God is faithful. Just so many other like little ways we would just see like the perfect timing of like the Lord coming through and, um, yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see all that and now to look back and, um, see even more of it is just a really beautiful thing and and it makes like this time now like so much sweeter you know because we're just like oh like we made it through and now we're it's kind of all happened and then we moved and we're in this new place and like a fresh start and we're so close to the farm and we just started working on the shed at the farm and it's just like boom all of a sudden everything's like we went to david and got our like immigration done like we're officially residents here now we got our driver's license like boom 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 it's all happening now so um yeah what about you? You have anything to add to that, baby? Um, yeah, I kind of went through a little bit of a different cycle than Nicole. Um, at first, I would say the first two weeks, I was kind of just like, ah, whatever. It is what it is. And I think a lot of it was because, oh, we got gas, we got food, you know. So I'd be driving around, playing basketball, not really thinking about much. And then it was after two weeks where I was like, Oh, there's no more gas coming. Oh, I went to the gas station on my trips to the fish market. And the guy said, oh, we're out of gas. And I was like, oh, okay. Now we got to get a little serious. So then that's when I was starting to like, oh, we got to really be careful about fuel. Then I started getting like very like, why are people not care? Like we need fuel to, to live, to like move around. So I went through a few weeks of like that, just kind of being annoyed and frustrated. And then also being frustrated, like Nicole said about like, We've been taking this long vacation, uh, and we finally have the property and like ready to work. I got a lot of energy to get out, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can't get to the farm because uh, you got no gas. And we got cows, and I'm excited, and I want to get stuff going on stuff. So eventually, like Nicole told me, it's like it is what it is, and it kind of just brought me to, down too. It's like, whatever, it is what it is. We'll just deal with it. We'll just worry about, you know, making it through this and then not worry about the farm. And those last few weeks were, like, pretty nice. Mm -hmm. uh, like the week before Thanksgiving. And yeah, we just we yeah. just kind of kept it very simple. We just kind of, like, let's just figure out food for the day. Go to the beach. Go to the beach. Hang out. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. It was pretty simple. Um, I could have probably gone another two weeks. It was all about, like, kind of just changing our perspective. You yeah. Know, just, like, yeah. let's just enjoy this. Like, let's just get through. And then when we get to this point, we'll reevaluate. And then when we get to that next point, we'll reevaluate. So we were like, let's just get to the end of December, and then we'll reevaluate. You know, yeah, let's yeah. just relax. Yeah, and, yeah. That, and that was, uh, we kind of used December as a marker. We are going to, oh, like, I mean, I had this big, my brain was trailing for a while. Like, how do we get out of here? How do we get out of here? How do we go to Colombia? You know, how do we, mm -hmm. how do we get we to Colombia just to write it out for a few more weeks yeah so i just i mean i learned a lot about just kind of like just if you can't control it don't get so mad about it 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I've learned that lesson quite a bit of times, but like, I feel like the longer <laughs> you go from going through that, you have to like relearn it. Um, and so this was like everything, like yeah. our whole life. Like yeah, we had life. no, yeah. yeah, food, transportation, like lifestyle. I mean, thank God, like we lived right by the beach. We could just walk there. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, no, I mean that was the biggest thing is like, uh, you know, going to the beach every day. And like, like me, Nicole and I are opposite in this. Like she's never on her phone. I'm always on my phone reading stuff <laughs> and just like learn, like just probably watching way too much, you know, anecdotal stories about like stuff. Just filling your brain with all this information. Filling my brain with information, yeah. and then I'd be in the house like pacing and just like, what is going on? What is going on? Why is nothing happening? And then we go to the beach and like, oh, we live in paradise. Yeah, <laughs> I you, go. Yeah, it just calms you immediately. Yeah, I go surfing and then you know I'd walk back to the beach or walk back to the kids and the family and i uh, just see the palm trees on uh, lined up on the beach head and i'm like oh man we live in paradise uh but yeah i think that's the biggest thing is just kind of just can't if you can't control it like i wasn't gonna go down there and fight the protesters yeah just kind of learning how more self-reliant uh we need to i mean it, it was how self-reliant we want to be in the future yeah um to be ready for this because i think the biggest the biggest reason why, like, some other people were like, eh, whatever, it is what it is, was, like, they already, like, own their property here or live in their own place, and they can... They have lots of food sort of. Lots of food sort of. Yeah. Whereas... Or, like, people that live here, they have their chickens, and they have their, um, like, their supplies that they need, and their garden, and all that kind of stuff, whereas, like, we don't have that yet. Yeah, know? I mean, we're in a rental with a bad fridge, so we can only load up on so much stuff. But, but like, now it's just like let's like make sure our farm is like up and running as much as possible. We're living in our house like before this, before the next one, we knock on wood or whatever the next one happens. You know, like if this is gonna happen again, and hopefully it doesn't for as long. But if it does, like um, we'll be ready, and we'll also have hopefully like enough to share with other people who like might be like us and need yeah. it, need some yeah. help. And I and I also learned like Panamanian people are very nice. Uh, so many people that yeah there's like three that i can think of that were just like checking in on us helping us find eggs like telling us like oh it's open you can go or like yeah. oh, there's gas like you can go just like so kind i don't know why these people are so nice to us i mean they have no reason to be nice to us yeah i mean we're <laughs> nice to them but like meaning like we've barely just like met them and they're yeah. just like so loving yeah. and nice and they're just like sweet like kind angels these yeah. are like people that have lived in Panama their whole life and yeah. like and they're, they're reaching just, out to help yeah, us. They're yeah, they're just very just very nice people and mm-hmm. I was just very impressed by that and like uh yeah, I mean whether it was relaying information, just checking in on us um mm-hmm. um they were just it was it helped us get lot, through it. Yeah. yeah and made went. us feel like very like loved that like they cared enough to check in on us when they have their own people and family to yeah, they check in and take care and of like you know yeah. yeah yeah so that no. was really really sweet yeah definitely. yeah that was i mean i was very impressed by how nice uh the panamanians were um to us to us just the random us. just a white random family that showed up <laughs> yeah the ran- random american family that's just like what are we doing here <laughs> um that's why i was very like i was i was i always wanted to make sure i didn't want to like say too much about my thoughts about like because like about the protest because yeah, like about your opinions yeah, yeah like i just like if these people are dealing with it and this is our country and they're like helping us like i'm just gonna deal with it 
Yeah. And, uh, and I've gone back and forth in my head about what I know about this mine, everything about it. Uh, there was like a moment where I was, oh man, this mine, screw this mine, you know, should we close down? And then about four weeks into this protest, I was so annoyed by the <laughs> by the protesters that I'll, I'm only going to say this once publicly, but I was like, man, I'm all for this fine at this point. Because like, <laughs> yeah. And These people are just like causing, yeah, wreaking so much havoc. I'm wreaking so much <laughs> havoc. And then I'm, I mean, and then now I'm back to like, you know, it had to be done. And there is a lot of ramifications from this. Um, from the mine closing. From, from the yeah. mine closing. Yeah, um, there. They're being sued by the mining company. The country of Panama is being sued. There is 4% GDP that they have to make up for. Um, their credit ratings are being downgraded by J.P. Morgan and uh, Moody's, so that's going to make it more difficult for them to borrow money. Or, Foreign investors yeah. are going to um, question whether they want to come to Panama. And, like, I have my thoughts about that, and my thoughts are swayed because I am a foreigner. But... I try to put, like, what would a Panamanian think? And, like, honestly, I don't think they care about any about that. Mm-mm. They honestly just, like, once I once they opened it up a couple of days later after it was officially published, I was like, okay, there's no other agenda. It was just about the mine. It was just about protecting the land. And I don't think they care what J.P. Morgan or Moody's cares, no, not at thinks all. about them. Yeah. They just want clean water, clean land. They don't want to be taken advantage by a foreign country. The reality is... You know, countries like United States, Canada, China, you know, these quote unquote, you know, developed first world countries do go to these countries and take advantage of the resources. Mm. This is just a Canadian company that happens in the Congo with the Chinese. It happened in Mexico with the United States taking advantage of, you know, their neighbor after NAFTA. And, you know, a lot of money has moved around in these deals and a lot of money gets made by the business going down to that country and the politicians wet their beak and they make their money but the money never trickles down to people to the average panamanian the average mexican the average if anything they've they are the people that have to deal with the uh the bad effects of whatever's happening i mean I, i think of i see videos of the congolese people mining for lithium and they're not making the money that whoever's buying that lithium is making. You yeah. know, I think of a, a river that goes through my dad's hometown that's completely poisoned because of American companies going down there and dumping all their sewage yeah. into the river. And it's the same thing with this mining company. What is that doing to the water? What is that doing to the local resources? And yeah. they kept saying, no se vende Panama. Like, basically they translate, Panama will not sell itself to another country. It's like, I just need to, like think put on their perspective i mean i there's stories of like chinese you know companies coming to united states or saudi arabian you know companies coming into and buying land in arizona to grow hay and we get upset about that how is that any different from a canadian company coming down and that's where i was like this yeah. is their land this they have every right to protect it if someone came down to Sherlock from china china and said <laughs> they're going to buy all of west side of Sherlock, i would be out there protesting with everyone out there yeah because that's where i grew up and yeah. i feel like that's how they felt probably we're still 100 percent happy that we moved here we're not regretting it even during the time that everything was going on like we weren't like oh man like what did we do we shouldn't be here like it just it is what it is like it was just something that we happened to be here for and we had to go through and 
I think it was almost a blessing that we learned about it right off the bat because now we know for the rest of the time that we're here, which is, you know, hopefully going to be many, many years, um, that's how it is. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that something like that happening should deter us. I mean, no, we left the United States for many, many reasons, you know, and um, came here for many reasons. And that happening didn't really change anything for me and or for Eduardo. Um, I mean, the people, like we just said, the beauty of the place, um, the culture here, like the way they reacted to it. Like we've learned so much just from watching how they've responded to to everything that happened. So, um, I mean, we're ready to get to work and we're glad that we can like move forward with our plan now. And like we're not in a lockdown mode. But at the same time, you know, we are, yeah, glad to have, like, learned so much and just, you know, we're, we're better for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, every, there is no p- perfect place on earth. No. Everything's got a pro and a con. And I think there's places that are better than others. Um, yeah, but, but, I mean, we didn't leave California because we hated California. Um, we still think it's a good place to live. But there's cons that we didn't want to deal with anymore there. Mm-hmm. Um, not huge ones, but like they're still down here. The pros still outweigh the cons. The con. We live 10 minutes from the beach. <laughs> yeah. And in a small, like really cool little town with a lot of really lovely people. And I mean, we drove around last night. Yesterday was like an annoying day for me, but then we like drove to the farm and saw the sunset, checked on the cows. Then on the drive home, we stopped and chatted with some people we know and had a nice conversation. We stopped in the local small store, grabbed some beer, came home, had homemade chili on our porch in December. And, um, yeah. I mean, I, I felt like a complete mood shift after that. You know, yeah. you just have to go out and, like, it, we're constantly reminded over and over again why we, why we moved here. Yeah, and it's only been, you know, almost six months. But, like, there's just so many reasons that we didn't even know about that we love about it. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Um, it's a beautiful place. There's, I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons why we got a little frustrated. We couldn't explore a lot of these other beautiful yeah. places. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, um, that's the finale. That's our final thoughts. And um, we wanted to share them with anyone who's been listening to the, the saga and um yeah now we're moving forward and on from this that time in our lives and that time in our family's lives and um like i said we broke ground on the shed at the farm and sorry i keep calling it a shed milk barn slash tool shed like bodega if if anyone uh, (laughs) if anyone um listening to this knows anything about dairies I went to Delaval yesterday to look at milking equipment. I'm gonna start a start a dairy. Um, I got a quote for for three stalls uh, to to milk, and I found some stanchions. It's a pretty exciting day yesterday. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you're all doing great. Have a great weekend, and we will be back next week to talk about I don't know. We got to record some more episodes. We'll figure out what's next. Yeah, we'll see. We got some ideas. We can think of some right now. Okay. Ciao. Adios.
Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you next time on the Pana Familia podcast.